Hipster Bricks by Denver Day, The Cost of Doing Business, The Price of Egalitarianism in the 21st Century, or It Takes Money to Make Money, Number 52. Our automatic heaters were slung on straps over our shoulders, under our coats. I'd never fired one of these particular things before. I couldn't imagine that they were any more accurate than their sister wives, the forty-five semi-auto pistol. But certainly accurate enough for close quarters and crowd of people, and certainly loud and with fantastic stopping power as far as such small arms calibers go. We were all feeling much better about the job as it got closer to going down. Something about those pieces of hardware was quite comforting. And seeing the actual crowd from which our targets were coming from made it seem a bit less dangerous. Guy Red had pointed out at the bar, finished his conversation with the barkeep, took whatever beverage he'd been handed, and looking sort of grouchy, walked back through an egress to the office in the back. Red confirmed that to be the direction we would be taken as well to meet the job. Maybe we wait until they start coming out, like after the deal is completely done, when they are letting their guard down, and it might be a safer approach, I said. <coughs> That's fine, except there's another door out, besides the one we'll be using. Going in, Red Chelsea said, we could try to wait a bit just to go in towards the end, but... Even that's not sufficient. The deal may only take three minutes or something, tops. We walk back there at 30 seconds after 11, basically. Since there was no one who was supposed to walk away from the thing, necessarily, except for us. The time parameter was arranged to be very strict by the orchestrators of the operation. People who were on the buy side are told 11 p.m. sharp. 10.30 came. We waited like ticking clocks. The seller in the gray shirt, who we identified before, came back out to the same place at the bar, had another exchange with the barkeep. This time he had another dude with him, and who was all wearing parachute pants and a turban. What a way to go, Red said. Wardrobe is very important, Sam noted. I tried to remember when the last time I wore parachute pants was, and if it would be possible to get any these days. Anyway, it was fair to expect that the rest of the gang would soon mosey up to the same part of the bar and check in with the same barman. And in fact, <clears throat> that very thing happened about 20 minutes later. Three guys walked in looking dangerous and freaky as fuck. A real thing, to be sure. One had slick braids or dreads. Couldn't tell at that point. He was, uh, <clears throat> from my position, he was a wiry-looking black guy. One of the other guys was a Heavy-set, brown-skinned guy with a shaved head. And the third guy was a woman, actually a Caucasian female wearing absolutely no bullshit leather. Dangerous as hell. They all wore uh, jackets, comma-fucking cozies. So it looked like five people total who we would be mowing down ten minutes hence. The three waited at the bar. After talking with the barkeep, who... Then brought them each a beverage. They dilly-dallied until about 11.57, according to my watch. Then walked back. The head's back there, so I will head there now to keep things realistic, Red Chelsea said. That bartender is watching the egress, though. 
she added, so act natural. Sam and I looked at each other, and I leaned over and put my tongue around her at Pilatus. As far as I could ever tell, that is about the most natural thing that there is to do in places like that. Red Chelsea whispered for us to come on in a minute or two as she walked off towards the back. We made out for another half minute, then walked over to the bar, which by this point was getting pretty busy. So we never got around to ordering, giggling hand in hand. We slithered through the hallway egress toward the next fork in the road. We didn't look back, and this deal would go so quickly that it wouldn't matter who or what the bar watch saw. We'd be gone and done through the other door out the back. One thing was for sure, they'd hear us. Three machine guns? No light jazz trio. Sam and I walked back, and the hall took a turn to the right, which we actually put us in the direction of the bar but behind it. We saw the restrooms and behind walls. We saw the restrooms and saw Red come out of the ladies a moment later. Between the toilets and the door at the end of the hall, there was a blue light about halfway in between those two points. It was fairly low visibility back there, which is rather low, which as far as I was concerned was a good thing. As sure as the sun had risen that morning, it was well under the 11 o'clock minute, and there was no sign of the two sellers nor the three buyers. And there was no stopping either. We three were a crowd. And we needed to execute before the bar watch followed or sent someone back. It was bound to happen in a matter of seconds. I readied my heater and I saw the girl doing the same. We arrived at the door. Red tried it very gently and it was locked. This fucked up our element of surprise, arguably, because we were going to have to shoot the lock. It was kind of safer anyway, because had somebody trained on the door. Kicking it might not open it. Red was reading my mind. I'll start working the locks. You guys start laying down a wider pattern. One, two, three, she said. Take no prisoners. And open that, that uh, she opened up on that fucking door, and Sam and I opened up too, and the door went pretty easy. It was all balsa wood, flimsy as hell. And our ordinance opened it right up. 